0: Hello. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of If You Know, You Know, the show for Web3 creators and enthusiasts. I am your host, Belle, and each week I'm joined by a panel of expert creators to bring you the latest trends, opportunities, and perspectives from the creators who are shaping the future of technology and art. Nothing we say is ever financial advice, and it's important to always do your own research. I've pinned up this space to the top, and if you could take a second to retweet, that would be amazing. Help us get some more people in here. If throughout this questions or comments, please request to speak and type it in the bottom right hand corner chat. And we'll be checking that throughout the show. Today's topic is Web3 Gaming, and I'm super excited to have an awesome panel of folks joining me for this. I've also invited two people who I highly admire to come and co-host with me. NFT fiend, entrepreneur turned Web3 builder, working on a gamified social networking platform for Web3, and Iggy, an amazing artist, game designer, entrepreneur, and art collector. Our special guests today are Brent, the CEO of the Glimmering and Gripner, and the one and only Kicks, CEO of Crypto Raiders and Cyber Stadium, and the co-founder of Nifty Portal. Gentlemen, it's such a pleasure to have you guys on the show. I want to go around and say hello to everybody, allow you to maybe reintroduce yourself if I miss anything at all. Let us know who you are. And then I also want to add one thing to your introduction on if you know, you know, you know, you don't, if you don't, if you don't listen, then you don't know, right? So, Add something on there. What don't we already know about you? What doesn't the average person who listens to you on Twitter Spaces, on your podcast, on your community, what don't we already know about you? And Brent, we'll start with you.
1: Hey, hey. Uh, Good afternoon, morning, evening, wherever you're tuning in from. And first off, thank you so much for having me out today. I really appreciate that. Uh, My name is Brent, and I am the co-founder and CEO of Gripner which is a Web3 gaming company that's bringing tabletop role-playing games uh, to the blockchain. And I guess one thing that most people don't know about me, but it's uh, kind of a crowning achievement in my life, I sued Ted Cruz, the guy that was running for president uh, against Donald Trump way back in the day. I sued him for copyright infringement in federal court, and I won.
0: Uh, yeah that's huge that's that's pretty it was, <laughs> that's pretty incredible i can not imagine <laughs> that's pretty incredible and incredibly unique that's what i'm talking about that's incredibly like what we don't already know about you that's yeah. really cool i have to listen to that whole mm-hmm. story Brent. i'll instance. tell you sometime thanks for having me out seriously of course, it's a pleasure to have you on here. All right, so Kix, I think um, we're having a, a problem connecting you up here. Let me try again. And in the meantime, I'll get you up here. NFT Fiend, how are you? Thanks for joining us today.
2: I am amazing. Thank you for having me on. I'm very excited to be on talking about a subject that is very near and dear to me. Very excited about gaming and the intersection of gaming and blockchain technology. So thanks for having me on. As you mentioned, I'm working on a gamified social networking platform for Web3 to bring us all together to have some fun. So looking forward to launching that. Something that most people don't know about me. Hmm, scrolling through my mental Rolodex. Um, Well, outside of Web3, I would say that I invested in uh, stocks for a really long time and was able to take my portfolio from in one year from two hundred thousand to seven million.
0: we need an we need like a completely different space <laughs> just for class on that I mean really that, that that's, that's what we really truly really need. that's freaking amazing. yay. Of course. I think we got Kicks. Kix, are you with us?
3: Yeah, hey, sorry about that. I was having some uh, you know, classic Twitter on Android issues.
0: Oh, yeah, let me tell you something about that. Android, I had it forever, right? I am an Android fiend. I mean, that is my thing. And most recently, I switched over to Apple just because of the, uh, just because of the issues that I was having on Spaces. So, I don't know, Kicks, you're going to have to you're going to have no, to I'm going to have to switch. <laughs> You're gonna have to. Well, Kix unfortunately has to leave pretty soon, so I wanna, I want to, you know, thanks, Kix, at least for joining us for a little bit. Um, maybe want to do a quick introduction, whatever I missed, and then you know something we don't already know about you.
3: Yeah, um, yeah. So I, uh, I work at uh, crypto Cryptorators, um, and we've we've been building um on chain games since May June 2021. So it's been a hell of a journey. Um, we also have a new game out, Cyber Stadium, which is a 100% on-chain uh, auto-battler game. It's it's pretty simple game theory, but people are having a lot of fun with it. And we have some more releases coming um, later this year as well that we're really excited about. But something y'all don't know about me that you already know, because you already know I had 12 Bored Apes and Fumbled uh, Generational Wealth. So you you probably already know that about me. Um, I uh, Let's see. Yeah, probably. I, uh, I'm a terrible golfer, but I golf way too much for how bad I am. And you know, most people don't know that about me. I, I golf like six times a year and then 10 times a year, I can't get better. No matter how much I play. Um, but yeah, if, if you haven't heard my story before, I had 12, <laughs> 12 board apes at one point in time back in June, 2021, and I sold them all for like a two X. So, um, but I, I had success in other areas. So very grateful, but, um, uh, yeah you know at the top of the market it hurt a lot worse it doesn't hurt so much Uh, it still hurts but not as
4: bad anymore
0: (laughs) and then you have to repeat that story again and again right
4: (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs)
0: that's the best part oh man last but not least iggy how are you thanks for joining us today
4: hello hello everyone how's it going um i'll i'm trying to think about something that that is, you know, nobody knows about me, I can't think of anything except that as an artist, um, I see the world differently, so I wear glasses, and I think that the more my glasses are dirty and scratchy, the better my drawings look, I don't know if that's weird, but I mean, that's the thing, <laughs> maybe nobody knows, knows that about me. <laughs>
0: That reminds me of the whole meme of like, this is this is so, so inappropriate, but the whole joke of like, you know, when you go out on that first date and the person starts to look a lot better and better and better throughout the night because you're, you're not looking at it right. You know, if your glasses are dirty or if you've had way too many drinks and that person seems so much more attractive at the end of the night than in the beginning of the night. Yeah, it makes sense. And I want to get into it because, um, I w- kicks. I want to get to you before you have to hop off. You said something that I would love to start the conversation off with because I think that, um, no matter how many times we discuss it, it there's web three gaming and 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 the blockchain technology behind it. I think is you know has so many levels to it. And you said something that I'd love to just ask you. What exactly is when you say hundred percent on chain? Wh- what is that, and why is it even important?
3: Yeah, I mean, in, in some cases it's really not important, and then like I guess in like other games or it it all depends on like what you're trying to build. You know what I mean? Like for example, you you couldn't really build like a, a first person shooter a uh, hundred percent on chain, right? Because there's so much like data uh like inputting you know back and forth that you just wouldn't be able to do it so like you know dr disrespects like dead drop like they're on chain in the sense that they have nfts and they have like kind of voting and governance and stuff like that so they're still leaning into a lot of the cool things about uh crypto and web3 but um like they they their game their like servers are actually you know they're hosting these these games that are happening with like 100 on-chain game it means literally like all of the data um is on the blockchain you're essentially using like the blockchain as the database um of course like you know because of your because you're doing that um it can slow you know certain actions down and stuff like that so a lot of like 100 on-chain games you see are like in the strategy or like turn-based um arena and like crypto raiders isn't even a hundred percent on chain it just has a lot of on-chain elements to it like the game itself is hosted um off-chain but like with cyber stadium that game is a hundred percent uh on-chain we just take the data and then like visualize it on our website but like all of the data exists like on the chain so there's going to be lots of different applications i definitely don't think like uh it, you know you have to be one uh, like you have to be 100 on chain to be successful. You definitely don't, but for certain types of games, there's going to be a lot of uh, like value and trust and security that you can uh, discover uh, or like uh, leverage from this. Like one example uh, is poker. Right, I played poker back in college, and there was two big poker sites, poker stars and Full Tilt. And uh, the, the users of Full Tilt amassed, like, tens of millions of hands and found that this, like, certain player was just mathematically playing better than they could play. Like, it, it was mathematically impossible they were playing that good. It turns out that that person had somehow gotten god mode, uh, you know, via uh, a, a company access or, you know, something to do with the company. And they were basically, you know, able to, uh, you know, do some dirty business uh you know with a, the, the idea behind like a game that's 100 on chain is that like there, there wouldn't be that kind of shady business that could happen and with certain types of games that can be like really important you know like a lot of times games that have money on the line uh you know that kind of stuff can really matter yeah
0: that makes a lot of sense um in the nft space where you know a lot of these a lot of these games that I see and correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of the games that I see have some, something to do with monetization of it. Right. I mean, Axie infinity one being one of the biggest ones there, there is an end result as you play. It's a play. What is it called? A um, Yeah. Play to earn. Right. To earn, so yeah. As you play, then you earn actual money from it. And so, um as a player i guess continues to be more engaged in it they continue to be more incentivized for it and so all of those little things make that much of a difference it's funny when you say god mode i i I exactly knew what that was i don't have a gaming background you know i wasn't really a gamer but i pay for all of it because i have a teenager who who speaks about all of this and talks about all of it um and so it makes Perfect sense to me, I guess. So that that's really interesting. Um, what, why the difference between the two games that you founded? On one being, you know, on chain, and the other one not. Just curious.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it's for us personally, just like the direction that we're building. There's a lot of things you can do with just like normal games that have some Web three elements, and the competition there is also just going to get increasingly more strong. Um, I mean, you see stuff like um, uh, Wildcard Alliance, right? They raised forty million dollars from Paradigm. You got like Eve Online uh, coming into the space. They raised forty million dollars. Bunch of first-person shooters. Um, so there's th- there's going to be a lot of like you know Web two studios that are able to integrate pretty well into Web three. But we think there's going to be like a like a whole market for games that are hundred percent on chain, and a lot of them will be in in the strategy space um and and that's like a niche where we really think that like we can do innovative stuff in uh and and succeed at so like cyber stadium was just like our first test Uh, and basically the thought process behind that was like what would happen if you made a simple on-chain game but like a hundred percent of the money that players put in went to the prize pool that players fight over so like us as a studio don't really make any money it's not like we're selling nfts and keeping it and then you know, doing this or that, like when they buy the NFT that a hundred dollars goes into the prize pool. So we were really experimenting and trying to like learn how to build on chain games and stuff like that. So our next on chain game is going to come out in a, in a couple of months and it'll have a lot more strategy. And yeah, we just, we're, we we, basically have our site set on like a year to two years from now, there's going to be in our opinion, some like really interesting a hundred percent on chain games that have stuff that involve, um money and like you know uh money accrual and and things having value we think that's like where the where the use case for having this in games like you know really really makes sense um so yeah that it's just like a strategic decision we're making and we feel like we can have like an advantage in in those types of games with our expertise
0: when you talk about money um immediately it makes me think about um risk involved in it, right? Any in yeah. any potential challenges or future implications. You know, we we obviously we see that the government circling around NFT and blockchain technology, et cetera. What are some, if any, implications to that or, you know, future challenges that you see surrounding that as it relates specifically to gaming NFTs?
3: Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, like the, some of the models that like we're, we're looking at is, um, you, you have to have like a really, a really strong use case, and, uh, like in, in, in tap into like what matters with the blockchain. So like decentralization, right? So like a big thing is like, can your game run on forever if the servers go offline? Right. Um, and like, the vast majority of games out there like can't do that. But like, if you build a game uh, with the right smart contract infrastructure and like users paying the gas, you can make a game that like in theory can, can last forever. And then um, what's even more powerful is, that instead of like looking at it as games, you can look at it as like game, like infrastructure building up over time. So like some of the biggest game genres that have come out in the last uh, like 10 years have all pretty much started as like mods of other games. So like battle Royale, your son uh, may play like call of duty battle Royale or like uh, some of those types of battle Royale games. Um, Dota, right. Is uh, those style, like League of legends, those types of games, uh, Fortnite, like they all come from indie mod games that, that were built on, uh like bigger things so warcraft 2 is where auto chest and where the dota style games came out of and then uh uh uh, uh, like a military game called arma 2 that's where battle royale started from and the interesting thing is that these like modding communities um they innovate so much but they don't really get any of like the value capture um of all like the hard work that they do but like on on web 3 with web 3 right Like, you know, when you look at Web3, it's basically like programmable money. And and like through that, there's all sorts of like value things that can happen on chain. Like if someone goes and creates a mod on top of your game and builds a very popular game, you know, instead of it just being a mod and these people don't make any money, like they could actually be capturing some of the value of like all the users that they're bringing. And it can create all sorts of models, I think, that like don't exist today in gaming.
0: amazing i have one more question for you because i know you have the run and then and then um and then brent i'm going to be asking a lot of the same you know similar questions why polygon
3: yeah that's a that's a great question i mean i'm always very transparent with people like the reason why we originally chose polygon was just for a very simple reason so like when we launched this project it was may of 2021 um like back in this day, I didn't I didn't know a single person in May 21. I didn't know a, a single individual like trading NFTs on Polygon or doing anything on Polygon, right? It was like, or, or sorry, on Solana, like or AVAX, right? Like it, they were super early even at like that time. The reason why we chose Polygon was simply because um, one, they integrated with OpenSea, right? And so like we were set, we you know, we had NFT trading and stuff like that. So we wanted to be on a good marketplace in OpenSea. I worked with Polygon and OpenSea didn't work with really any of the other chains at that time. Um, And also uh, there was like popular games on uh, uh, at the, at the time uh, and still today, but at the time on Polygon, so like Zed Run was a super big game in early 2021. And they had built uh, you know, their entire game on Polygon. And at this time as well, like sandbox had announced that they were doing some things with Polygon as well. So it seemed like a good fit, but like also Um, there just wasn't a ton of options at the time. And, you know, a lot of people asked like why we chose Polygon, uh, when like Solana was blowing up and AVAX was blowing up. Um, and it, you know, just at, when we first did it, it, it just made sense. And then it's, it's worked for us ever since. And now today you see, there's a lot more people building things like on Polygon, like wildcards building on Polygon. I think the Eve online is building on Polygon. Dr. Disrespect is building on Polygon. So I wish I could say like we were geniuses and we could predict that uh you know predict that this would all happen but we really just like chanced ourselves like into into choosing uh Polygon it was just like the only option that made sense back in early 2021 and so we just started building on there but they've been great um and we've really enjoyed it um and we're always like keeping our eyes open at, at you know you have to keep an open mind you never know if there's another chain out there that there's like a strong reason to you know build games on it's not like we're like only going to be on Polygon for the rest of our life, but it just you know made sense since we started, and we haven't like had a you know strong reason to you know move anywhere. It's been it's been good so far.
0: All right, seems I like a have- very good reason to me. Iggy, go ahead.
4: I do have one question before you go. If you have to run so fast, uh, this whole off chain and on chain uh, gaming talk is really interesting. Uh, I'd like to know if you think there is any uh or there will be in the future like a market pool uh like if if there will be demand for on chain gaming uh and how deep can on chain gaming really really satisfy any demand from traditional gamers do you think traditional gamers are looking into on chain games or nft games at all
3: i think i think so that great question by the way and yeah i know i'm sorry i uh... I my haircutter moved my appointment back. I had more time scheduled for this. I have the most like my hair is like so bad right now. Like my hair is going down past my ears. I have yeah, to do no, this. But uh, I support so, I
4: support uh no, for anime sure, anime but like
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, uh great question. So I think the I think that you're 100% right. Basically like I don't think on-chain games is on-chain games aren't going to be like mass market, right? Uh at least not in the near-term future in my opinion but they can be niche games with like very loyal uh player bases and player bases that are like you know generating a lot of revenue versus um the the size but like i think games like wild Card alliance i think games like uh potentially dr disrespects dead drop eve online is probably one of the biggest news that they're moving over here because they built a digital economy game that lasted like almost two decades like it's insane like they're on you know, like crazy levels of success. And none of those people are going to be 100% on-chain. They're just going to lean into, like, good on-chain elements. Those types of games are what's going to get, like, a lot of traditional gamers into the space. I yeah, think I that, like... Eve, yeah. Eve
4: was yeah. the first game that actually had an item that sold for, like, a lot that I, yeah. I remember. Yeah, I think it was the first game that was like, okay, this item sold for, like, I don't know, 100K, I can't remember exactly a long time ago
3: exactly so like they've been they understand like they were selling digital assets you know before there was even a blockchain uh, for lots of money so like you know having them come in this space they're going to do some really cool things and they're not going to be 100 percent on chain so like at least i don't think so so like i'm not trying like i i personally think that like mass market's going to come through those types of games and uh 100 on chain games will start as more of like a niche a niche cult like hit kind of thing but it will grow over time especially as the technology gets better and it's less cumbersome that's the real issue right now is it's like it's not hard to get on I mean it's not easy to get on chain it's hard you know what I mean like setting up a metamask like it's all second nature to all of us but like I remember the first time I did I didn't do it for 2 weeks. I'm like this is weird. Like I'm like what is going on here? You know what I mean? And I, there's a lot of gamers out there that don't even want to touch that stuff. So the technology is going to take some time to get there, but I do think that like there's going to be this uh, this growing audience of people that will be interested in on-chain games for some of the benefits that they provide that like other things uh, it's impossible to do in other things. Like for example, making like an immutable RPG ecosystem, right? Where like all of the assets live forever on chain and uh and like people could build on top right but like zero part of the economy or zero part of the uh base layer uh can die if a company goes away or they decide to arbitrarily change something right like there's some real interesting use cases but i personally think it's going to take years and years and years for like that to really blow up so if you're betting on like what's going to go mass market short term it's 100% like off-chain games with some on-chain elements
4: very interesting it's like so what you what you're saying is a little bit like on-chain gaming, on-chain games will maybe be like a, a genre or, or kind of yeah, like exactly. a genre in itself, because it, it will it will be more strategy, more kind of turn based, maybe something like that.
3: Yeah, exactly. If you think about like um, like Dungeons and Dragons, right? Like they they became like really, really popular, right? But there was like Dungeons and Dragons style games. For like five or six years before Dungeons and Dragons came out, and they were like super nerdy, sweaty games. Like you had to go to like a card shop, right? And like you had to make friends with people that were playing the game, and like yeah. the mechanics were clunky and the rules were weird. And like it what it, right? And it took like five or six years of people doing this until like Dungeons and Dragons like finally came out, and it was like a mainstream hit. But like you know the 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 style of game that Dungeons and Dragons was like didn't really exist in gaming like before that right it was kind of like created and i think like the same thing will happen with on-chain games there'll be like types of games that like we maybe can't think of right now but we'll be building towards it And like five years from now maybe like a hundred percent on-chain game has like a Dungeons and dragons like success but it will still be in like a couple verticals like there's it's gonna we're a very very long time away from like any first person shooter game ever remotely theoretically being possible to be like a hundred percent on chain like a long long time away from that but Uh, I appreciate it. And I'd love to hop on again another time. Uh, I really appreciate coming on and I'm going to listen to the recording in here. Uh, Everybody else that had to listen to me, I I'm going to listen to you because I'm sure you guys had some really cool stuff going on and appreciate the invite so much.
0: Of course. Thanks for joining us. Uh, You are always, always welcome. So, yeah, hop on at any time. All right, Brent, thank you so much for being patient with us. Um, I want to include you and in, ask you, you know, a lot of the same questions. My apologies. It's always so, you know, we always want to get as much time as we can with all of our guest speakers. But when situations like this happen, I appreciate you being so patient with us. So, great. Oh, no,
1: it was my pleasure. I, I enjoyed uh, the conversation that you and Kix were having right there. That was, uh, that was extremely insightful. So, uh, my pleasure. It was, it was a good segue, right, into the
4: into what you're doing, I guess.
1: Yeah, it's kind of funny. I I, I don't know if Kix realizes that we're building a Dungeons & Dragons type game on the blockchain, right? <laughs> um, when he but said this, that, I actually laughed. That pretty nice. <laughs> yeah,
0: sorry. When he said that, I actually laughed because that's exactly what you guys are doing. Tell me more about that. And by the way, you are also on Chain and also on Polygon. Part of the reason I invited both of you guys is because really there is a lot of similarities. So you know I'll, I'll kick the same question to you why on why is that important why did you make it a point to be on chain to have it recorded on chain why polygon and what is this about dungeons and dragons being on the blockchain explain that one to me
1: yeah so i mean <clears throat> you know for us the, the the logic behind using the blockchain for tabletop role-playing games uh became even more apparent like my co-founder patrick this thing was really his idea he's a lifelong D and tabletop player in general and um just loves the space and his brother owns a crypto uh, hedge fund called xpto and he's just deeply in, immersed in like blockchain technologies and as he started looking at the nft space he came a pro- across a project called loot for adventure which is just black cards with white text that list out names of loot items that you might see in a dungeons and dragons type game and he thought to himself like holy shit this is actually a great use case for the blockchain because when you cre- when you create a character um for a tabletop game you're rolling dice to inform that character's ability scores a strength dexterity charisma wisdom etc and then when you play the game itself you roll dice to determine outcomes, right? So you roll a D20 to see if you can actually attack the monster. And depending on either the spell or the weapon you use, you roll a different type of dice to determine the hit points. And all of those dice rolls were also data points that you could put on chain. Um, so as we got into the project, um, we were just excited about using the technology in this way and just thought it made sense, it was cool. But when we hired our lead game designer, Stephen Radney McFarlane, the use case became even more apparent because he has experience we don't have. This guy's been writing games for uh, Dungeons and Dragons itself and Paizo and others for over 20 years. And in his early career, he was responsible for the organized play system called Adventurers League that Dungeons and Dragons created. And this was a system that enabled tabletop players to go to conventions around the country and play uh, and adventures with their hero player characters. And at the end of it, there'd be this document process where the dungeon master, who's the person that kind of runs and adjudicates the game, right? Would like sign a, a document that was verifying that your level one tiefling wizard did play these adventures and had this you know experience and gained this new level and uh, acquired this loot. And <clears throat> at the end of it, you go back from the conference to your local game store and like, wait, I don't have any record of that. We really don't know that this is a legitimate sheet. Right. And then people over time would have these massive binders of all their different characters and all their conventions and all the games they played in these organized systems. And it's a mess. There's no centralized database. It's very easy to fraud that system. And it became even more clear to us how the blockchain could really facilitate and streamline an organized play system <clears throat> that allows players to prove their game experience for their player characters right um so that was like a, a really strong use case <clears throat> and then the second item which i'm sure you know Kick Scott to and many other people here are familiar with is this idea of in-game asset ownership right you know my my kids uh, take an ungodly amount of my money every month and spend it on Roblox and skins and other game items that they'll never be able to transport somewhere else. Or if they get tired of that item, sell and you know potentially get a little cash back or maybe even make a buck or two to go buy some new things. Like That just doesn't exist. So the idea of asset um, ownership uh, is extremely empowering to the player. And then <clears throat> finally for us, you know, we, as a company, believe that the game masters—the people who run and adjudicate these games—who really provide the fun for the players, as well as the game designers who create game modules for game masters to run—they don't receive enough compensation and remuneration for their work. So, in a with a blockchain system, you're in you you enable game masters and game designers to build game content that maybe other people run and play and when players pay to experience that some of that value that is created can flow back to the original authors of those adventures in a way that really doesn't happen in a tabletop space at all so those were kind of the three use cases and the reason grippner is able to build the glimmering which is our first game world we're not dungeons and dragons but we we use the Dungeons & Dragons uh, 5th Edition rule set, and we can do that because they've effectively, they've open-sourced that. They put that into the Creative Commons. They also have something called the Open Gaming License, which permits us to create in this type of gaming sphere without uh, blatantly violating their trademarks or intellectual property.
2: So that's really, really crazy interesting. I was taking a look at the Twitter account, your Twitter account, and going through the different art that's on there for the glimmering, and it looks crazy amazing, and, you know, the first question that I had was, there are 43,000 hand-drawn pieces, and I'm wondering how long it took to create that, and what the process was involved, and, you know, where do you say, hey, let's stop it now at 43,000? Uh, oh, my God. Did you come up with the yeah. cap? And,
1: and also, like, how long was that process? So it took more than a year to build up, to, to draw all that. And like you said, 43,000 hand-drawn art layers. Crazy. And literally all hand-drawn. So Justin Kammerer, who goes by Angry Blue, um, he's our lead artist. And we we hired him at the start of the project. And he's a huge D&D tabletop fan. So of course he was really excited to get into the gig and he worked on it for less than two days. And he called me and my creative director and he's like, when do you want to launch this project? And at the time, super ambitious call it naive, like, oh, I would like to get it out there in the next six months, maybe eight months. He's like, there's no way that's not going to happen. There's an inordinate amount of art that needs to get created here. Cause it's not like no disrespect to any other project. We're not drawing except, you know, like a a single, you know ape with a profile picture that might have some variance in color and facial expression and like a hat versus an earring or whatever there's eight ancestries you know, ancestry being like human halfling elf tiefling orc etc uh, with 12 different classes classes being you know wizard fighter monk etc and all of those things by their nature look very different so justin Made it clear that we were going to need a lot more artists. So we brought in his right hand man, a guy who goes by Omnigraphicon, who was like the second illustrator. <clears throat> and then we brought in another guy uh, who's named John as our lead colorist. Um, and the three of them were really cranking it out. And months into it, we were still going, going, going and drawing nonstop. And at the height of the project we scaled the art team up to eight different artists and it was like a freaking manufacturing line right um and without a doubt we certainly overdid it i mean the, the collection we haven't minted nearly uh, what's possible right but there's so many art layers and we've done we've created things called tacos which are basically fun little hidden rarities that will pop up in the collection we could have done a little bit less, but no matter what, it was still gonna have to be a lot because of the fact that there's ancestries and classes that all look different. So I'm very proud of the work. I think it, it looks unlike anything else in the space. Again, not to discredit any other artists' artwork, it just, this is its own thing, right? Because of the nature of the game and the, the, the IP itself. Um, and then once we had it, because my creative director Kyle is just a freaking madman um, he's like, look, dude, let's uh, let's go further. I want all the backgrounds of these hero NFTs to be animated. So we put animated video, and I think there's maybe twelve different types of backgrounds that are animated based on class. And then we went a step further, and we said these things need music. So we hired a custom composer. Uh, from my other company that I started, which no longer run, called Audio Socket, that's where I sued Ted Cruz. We hired uh, a musician, a composer, to create custom scores that would also be different based on the ancestry. So just it's an insane amount of creative output that went into it. It took more than a year. It cost a small fortune, I'll tell you. Um, definitely close to a half million dollars invested just in art. Um and it, it 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 looks, it looks, it's it's just beautiful. I'm selfish in saying that and biased, obviously, but I'm so proud of what my team created. and I'm just humbled um, to be surrounded by such talented people. Yeah, absolutely. It is
4: really impressive.
1: Yeah, and, and yeah, the quality thank you. of it shows as
2: well. So, wow, <laughs> music, everything. That's, it's the cars. That's, that's amazing. It's a yeah, card the,
4: with, yeah, with the, the animation, so it's a video basically. Like you could you could definitely just make it a JPEG, but it's you didn't, which you know you took it like I don't know how many steps further well, up. We
1: actually, I mean, you, you're making a, you're making the right point, but we actually did both. So the 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 heroes, as you see them on 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 Open are they're the full card. So they're the the hero itself. And in the card has all the ability scores on the left-hand side. And underneath it outlines your ancestry, your class, maybe your background um, and your level, right? But on the Glimmering website, if you go to our gallery, what you can do is you can view either the card or you can toggle and look at just the PFP. And that takes away the border and all the ability scores. So you can just grab that PFP and use it as an avatar on Twitter or whatever.
0: Brent, I have a question for you. Um, I, I noticed that, so these are virtual tables, right, that are played. And I was reading a little bit on it. They're virtual tables that you don't have to go in having um, having a group of people that you play it with. You are actually matched with other people inside of discord so you go into discord and they'll connect you I guess through a, through a different discord voice channel I'm super curious as to um you know how the rollout of that has been do, do you see any risk at all associated with with that or any pushback have you, and the reason that I ask is because within the web3 world you know one of the one of the biggest risk on here of course is um uh, scams right and phishing and and p- clicking on wrong link etc etc and so I talked to so many people excuse me I talked to so many people that are like man I'm staying away from discord so I'm super curious as to have you seen that type of feedback has it stood in the way at all or is this more of like maybe maybe you know it's it's more of like gamers are already attached at the hip with discord and it comes as a second nature um, I don't know maybe if you want to add some color to that that would be amazing.
1: yeah so um, it is true that the, the, the distributed gameplay happens on discord and the, the the user flow of this is you have a hero right so then you go to start.playing.gripner right um, and that platform that' we call our play platform <clears throat> effectively is a hall and that hall is a hall of it's just a listing of, t- of content right? So a level one adventure or level one subplot adventure or whatever. And in there, you can see what kind of content is going to be at that table. You can see the game master um, that is going to be running that game at that table. And then you can book a seat at that table with that game master. And then once you've booked that reservation, what happens on game day, let's say it's a seven o'clock on a Saturday. Um, you get an email from us that, is a link to a Discord, to our Discord. Um, we have, we've developed technologies and bots in the background that when that table starts, we spin up a new channel that only the game master and those five or six players that have booked the seat can access. So nobody else can get into that channel whatsoever unless they're on the Gripner staff, right? And then you're playing the game basically on a, on a Discord chat channel often the game master will share a screen and use something called a virtual tabletop, like Roll20, where you can see the maps and they have little tokens of your heroes, as well as the, the goblins or the monsters or the dragons. So you can visualize the gameplay as you kind of tell the story collectively, which is what tabletop games is. And, and the community is very um, accustomed to it. I've, I've gotten zero pushback on the use of Discord as the, as the platform for distributed gameplay. And I think with the pandemic, it's certainly become even more common that people would play on a Zoom call or play um, in a Discord channel, because obviously for a few years there, folks weren't really interacting in real life very much. And the advent, or I'd say the explosion of, uh, of tabletop games uh, over the last few years, especially with um, the, the Netflix TV show, stranger things you've got this whole universe of new players right that have maybe wanted to play all their life finally wanted to take a chance didn't have people to play with in their local market or their friends they didn't know anybody who was really into it wanted to do it and this idea of this matchmaking service between player and and game masters has become more common and there is a company that does just that they're not web 3 they're not nfts all they are is a matchmaking service for game masters and players and and that company is called start playing and they got i want to say a six million dollar seed round investment from Andreessen horowitz which is one of the largest vc firms in the world so all of that is just an indication of the popularity of distributed play and people playing with players who are not at their house with them in real life and doing it online so they all seem accustomed to it and um I think our security, both within the platform itself, as well as in some of the security features we put up in, in Discord and even creation of our own bots and use of other security bots has people uh, really safe.
0: Yeah, That is really, really interesting. A, you're fostering a completely new sense of community amongst uh, players. NFT Fiend, did you have a question? Sorry, I cut you off. Oh, no, no, no. I was going to, you know, one of my
2: questions that I had for you, I thought it was going to be a novice question, but you actually hit on it, which was, you know, with Stranger Things, if you saw an uptick in, you know, just players within the D&D market, uh, so you hit on that. So I was kind of eagerly awaiting to find out about that because there's always some type of influence out there and
1: always wondering how it can affect other things. Um, But... Yeah, that's, that show definitely kind of ignited a new interest and even a new awareness of of the game itself. And in March 30th, which was the day that we launched, um, you know, the phase two of our collection, Paramount Pictures released the Black b- blockbuster Dungeons & Dragons full-length feature film, uh, which is, I haven't seen it yet, but it's gotten rave reviews and it's already recouped all of its costs, including marketing. So it's had a good performance in the box office and it's just an indication of how, The world at large is kind of waking up to the fun of that gaming style. And it's nice to see new players come to the system. You know, D&D themselves has touted 40 million players uh, globally. And it's, it's growing. That business unit, which is owned by Hasbro, is outperforming every other business unit that Hasbro has. So that's an indication of the trend line.
2: Extraordinary. Brent, I wanted to ask you, I know that you've partnered in the past uh, with Jimmy.eth with his Mutant Ape. And I read an article and it was saying that essentially Mutant Apes, they look like enemies. So I think that was a pretty good partnership there. As a person who owns Mutant Apes, I'm just wondering, have you thought about partnering with others who have Mutants or any other type of NFT out there? in order to help them leverage their own IP within your game?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, We absolutely have thought about it and even have a couple of of conversations going. So as you mentioned, we partnered with Jimmy Eath to bring uh, the mutant apes into the world of the glimmering to celebrate their entrance. We're gonna create a new derivative uh, called the glimmering mutants, right? And initially in the gameplay, the mutants will be kind of non-player character badasses like the villains right who are out to you know kind of run amuck in the world of the glimmering and cause the heroes trouble and all the rest of so the antagonist um and we have some some plans for <clears throat> a, kind of a future development of that where uh well i don't want to reveal it all but there, there may be a time where the mutants go in a whole different direction and a whole new world right and part of that Um, partnership that we're building with Jimmy. We haven't illustrated that collection yet. We're not going to launch it until probably the fall. Um, But part of that, there's there's another group of extremely dedicated mutants who have really run with that IP and tried to build up lore. Uh, And that group is called the Mutant Cartel, and they released the Mutant Hounds, and they've got all this lore. So what does it really look like to collaborate with such talented people who invested so much time and energy to take, you know, an existing asset, which was Yuga Labs IP, and really adopt it as their own and try to build up the value and expand users and consumers' experience with that IP and with those stories, and turn them into tabletop games. And the observation that I've made in the last, you know, year and a half building. This company and being in the Web3 space is that all communities that are really in resilient collections, right? Like things that have sustaining power and are really building something that matters as opposed to just trying to, you know, flip some JPEGs and make a quick buck, what those days are quickly ending anyway. But those really strong communities, I, I see three things like common threads that flow through them. And one is that the members want to create bonds with one another in a way that a discord chat stream doesn't really enable, right? Two, they wanna have an opportunity to kind of embody their PFP, right? And three, they wanna build value for the community and the collection. And there's no better way to do that than through tabletop role-playing games. Because when you're doing tabletop role-playing games, you're doing collective storytelling, that's what it is. And when you're doing collective storytelling, you're building bonds with people. And when you're telling those stories, you're living your PFP, you can fill your, your persona of your mutant ape or your wizard or your dead fella or name the project, right? And then the more people do this, right? Just telling stories together, building bonds, uh, the more of the value increases to the community and their holdings. So uh, the idea of ex- basically making a, you know, the glimmering is our first game, but the Grippner, the company, uh, is the protocol. And at the Grippner level, the ambition is to enable all other tabletop role-playing games to come build in that protocol. So reaching out into other communities and saying, how can we help you take your lure gamify that into these tabletop collective storytelling game experiences and not only bring your existing holders into it, but also expand that IP and let other folks uh, have an entry point and experience it in a way that doesn't necessarily dilute the initial collection that you put out there. So these are um, the thoughts that are in my head. And I think it's kind of what you're sensing as well as what does it look like to enable that? And that's what I'm trying to empower with the, um, the partnership with Jimmy Youth to being a leading example of that effort.
2: Yeah. And it sounds like the model really enhances the social layer as well. So it just adds additional value. So I like what you're saying.
1: Yeah, that's right. It really does. And you know, that, that social layer is, is so important in the world today. I think the more humans of all stars and stripes um, can get together and find a way to have fun, despite any of their differences right the more the more we communicate and the more fun we have together the more the barriers that we often put up uh in society and within tribes and communities those start to come down um through those experiences and ultimately i I think it's healthier for the world and I, i personally would like to see everybody get along a lot more
0: Yeah, say that again. What challenges do you see in gaming NFTs in terms of adoption and regulation?
1: Um, Yeah, those are big questions. Um, So, I mean, for us personally, you know, full transparency here, we we learned a lot in our last phase launch because while it was successful in many measures, it was an abysmal failure in others, and mostly, I think we're we know that we. We know that the product work. We we know that the product solves a problem. We already identified the organized play system problem that I mentioned earlier, and we've already had gaming conferences calling us saying, "Can we use your platform?" Right. So, the technology solves a real problem. We know that the product is great because I've watched people play the game and they love it. They love the adjustments that Stevens made to some of the rules, making it a little bit faster to play, a little bit easier to get into. And everybody loves the art, uh, no matter what. It's just like 100% of the crowd. Nobody's ever told me this looks like trash, right? So I think where we need to make adjustments is in two places, how we price the product and how we enable people to buy without friction, right? So in phase three, um, we're doing some things. And one of those things we're doing is we are currently in the process right now of creating our own custodial wallet. So anybody that wants to get a hero and play the game can go to um, play.gripner.com create an account with a username and a password and buy a hero with a credit card and start playing. No need to, you know, figure out, okay, well, how do I get crypto? Okay, well, I guess I'll get it on Coinbase. Oh, shit. I got Now I got to push that over to. MetaMask, oh, well, I got Matic, but I bought it on Coinbase and it's on the Ethereum mainnet. Now I got to learn how to bridge it to be on the Polygon mainnet. Like all of those things we've all suffered because we're native to the space, but they're awful user experiences. They're not a way to reach the masses. And we need to change that for ourselves um, without question. And that's the challenge we face. And it's one we're currently um, working to overcome by removing the friction and, and adjusting pricing on the collection so we can get more people to buy without having to feel like they're buying into something that's really expensive and meant to be uh, more of a precious collector item versus a game piece that they can just go experiencing games with. And on the regulation side, I don't know how any of this shakes out. Um, It's weird. We're in new Orleans. I got a guy who is, um, he's basically a lobbyist down here for the state government. Louisiana sucks as it relates to the backwater politics. It's the South. At the end of the day, right? And none of these uh, regulators and um, legislators really know what they're doing or how they want to treat it. And I I don't have the answers for how they might choose to do it. Ultimately, I believe, and I I could be wrong, because again, even the regulators don't, until they have a formed opinion yet. Um, But, you know, especially if we're letting people buy things with fiat cash, then I don't know why they would have much argument to say that we need to be treated as something different than any other gaming product out there. Um, even though you may be able to transfer that for somebody else to buy with some other currency, that's not our decision, that's the owner's decision. So I, I imagine we've got some battles in front of us, but that's an industry-wide thing. And luckily we're not going to the room when you see um, publicly traded companies like Coinbase step up to the mat and file suit against the, the federal government. You feel like uh, you, know, you certainly have some company uh, to help you in the in the uh, in the battle, right?
0: Absolutely, I think that you're definitely not an- alone in any of those sentiments. I want to ask you, as far as Gripner and the future, right of where you think you're headed with this, where do you see the future of it going within the next five, ten years?
1: Yeah, I mean, the company itself, more so than the space. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for us. Um you know, it's really hard to sell the idea of a media company, you know, and I've, I've started a number of companies I've raised, you know, my fair share of capital and investors, you know, the idea of oh, we're gonna be a media company is a very hard thing to finance because what are the metrics um, that you can demonstrate and how does that grow? It's really a, it's a consumer sentiment thing more than it is a lot of the pure economic based metrics that you might be able to demonstrate, and like a software as a service technology model, right? So Gripner itself is a technology company um, that's building media products. And the way I see it in, in the next five years is a few ways. One, as we discussed earlier, what does it look like to open our protocol for other collections and games to come build on top of it? <clears throat> and how do those games bring on millions of users and expand Um, the growth and success of the company? And then secondly, what does it look like to take the intellectual property that we've already built, which in this case is the glimmering, right? And transport that into other media verticals. So we could easily take these same assets, excuse me, and translate that into a card game like Magic the Gathering. We could easily take these assets and transport them into... A video game like World of Warcraft, we could easily take these assets and expand them into the metaverse for people to enjoy and experience there. And the growth in any one of those kind of media distribution channels, the success in each one of those leads to broader and broader opportunities for the company um, in potentially merchandise or in live streaming um, and all the rest. So that, that's kind of the broader view of it is the protocol enables more and more IP to be created. And the IP we already have is kind of right size to be distributed in a number of different media verticals where ultimately aiming to allow people to experience it where they want to in ways that delight like them the most. Not everybody likes tabletop games, but they might like a video game version of this, or they might love hanging out in the metaverse and talking with their friends looking like, some crazy ass, you know, orc wizard, right? Um, so let them have it. Let's get the let's get the the content out there and in the hands of people where they want to consume it, so they can enjoy it the way that feels right to them.
0: Yeah, it's this funny to say. Super <laughs>
1: interesting. Sorry, about
4: I have one question regarding uh, any pushback from the D and D community that you guys got from basically, um, yeah, entering this market with NFTs and all that.
1: Yeah, that was fun. Um, A lot, right? So last April, about a year ago, right? But we have been building this company in stealth um, since December 21 is when we spun it up and, like, actually incorporated and all the rest. And we're just doing it quietly in the background. And um, my business partner, Patrick... He sent out a tweet um, about you know just a hashtag like TTRPG, which is tabletop role playing game, and he was just pontificating like, "Hey, you know, we're, what if it was TT NFT? <laughs> well, some quote unquote D and D gatekeeper influencer type just saw that and went to town and started trashing him and saying all kinds of nasty stuff. And in about a week or two later, we got a phone call. We got an email, actually, uh, from a person named Linda, uh, who is a journalist, quote-unquote, at Gizmodo. And Linda had, had been emailing, like, all of my staff, basically, looking to get questions answered. And uh, Linda had e- emailed Patrick, and Patrick went to go look uh, them up on Twitter to find out that Linda had already blocked Patrick. So he, uh, he emailed them and he said, thanks for the, for the inquiry, Linda, really curious why you wanna to talk to me. It looks like you have blocked me on Twitter and I don't even know you. So um, long story short, I was like, Patrick, you can go through this effort. I'm telling you what's about to come is not gonna be fair and balanced. And sure enough, uh, right before we went public on this thing, Linda released an article in Gizmodo and the title was, NFTs are here to ruin D&D. And it was an explosive amount of hate that came at us. Um, And at the same time, it was also an explosive amount of growth from people who saw it and like, holy shit. This is brilliant. This is a great use case for tabletop role-playing games. You got one of the world's leading designers building the campaign, the Glimmery, which is our Stephen Radney McFarlane. And look at this artwork. So we got all the rabble, uh, what I call the the arrogantly loud minority, like absolutely trying to rip our heads off, um, calling us really nasty names and their parents should be uh, disgusted with them. Uh, At the same time, we've got a lot of really new hardcore fans. So I I think long-term, you just keep building and you ignore the noise from the rabble and you listen very intimately to the folks who care about it and might have critical feedback and you act on that. Ultimately, the hate that we got, um, I, I say it's a dull stone for which we get to sharpen our own blade. And it did help me figure out points where we could have more clarity to the market and what we're building and why and how and what is the use case. We could push back on a lot of these, while truthful, often completely misrepresented statements like the blockchain is awful for the environment. Well, let me talk to you about why we are on Polygon. Let me talk to you about our personal environmental principles and how we apply those principles from day one as we built the company. It was more helpful than it was damaging, but it was painful to have to go through. I've never, building companies are hard as you all know and um, extremely hard. And I've, I've never tried to build one and have somebody literally wish for me to fail publicly and get thousands of other people to cheer my demise. Like that made it twice as difficult, uh, but we've got through it and we're we're still building today. So they can go pound sand and fuck off, I guess. <laughs> yeah, Pardon I guess we function. all
4: know. I guess we all know a little bit uh, how that is. Cause yeah, I mean, every little niche there's a hater for for NFTs. Doesn't matter which which media it is. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's just for you know, getting getting over it and uh, kept building. Uh, one question. Hey, that Hey Brent, I have is sorry.
0: How... Hey Brent, could you uh? mute yourself?
4: Oh yeah, I'm sorry Forgive that's me. That's okay. Me.
0: <laughs> that's okay. Go ahead again.
4: Uh, yeah, one question that I have is how do we get on? Uh, yeah, how do we start in in the glimmering? Uh, I'm on OpenSea right now I can see the cards and by the way the the sound is really amazing which is the one component that i I overlooked at first uh because I was maybe look uh, more looking at the video for the uh for the smoke effects and the background effects which are also foreground effects <laughs> but the sound is really immersive it's a really good job with that uh but there are only four uh, NFTs for sale from the collection, and the floor is 0.25. Uh, do we need an NFT of this collection to play the game? And where, yeah, where do we start?
1: Yeah, that's a great uh, that's a great question. So <clears throat> you do need uh, a hero to play the game, an NFT to play the game. And the interesting thing is that. You know, and I think we've sold there's about 600 of them that are out there. We launched in two phases, phase one and phase two, phase one. We only put a hundred up on offer just to make sure that all the complexity of that rendering was going to actually render perfectly and not going to sell a bunch of stuff that rendered weird and have to apologize. Right. And in, in phase two, we offered another 1974 and we sold the balance of what's out there, but we did not sell out that 1974, which was that kind of disappointment learning that I referenced a while ago, right? So uh, right now, the people who hold are holding them obviously want to keep holding and nobody wants to sell their characters or having fun and playing with them. And a couple of folks minted characters, like, yeah, you know what? I really wish I had gotten a a wizard instead of a monk or whatever, and put them on offer above um, the initial mint price. So in phase three, uh, again, as I referenced earlier, Uh, The the changes we're making in allowing people to buy with a credit card, kind of have a custodial wallet set up for them automatically and lowering the price dramatically um, for those people that will come later this like late spring, early summer. I'm hoping to have phase three opened in call it the middle of June where anybody can come buy with a credit card and we're still working on the price point, but it's going to be dramatically lower than the originals um, that we minted. And the way that we kind of look at that and preserving value for those early believers and adopters who paid a premium is the, the certain levels of rarity that exists within the, the, the collection that's out there, There will always be preserved as kind of one of a kind for those you know early community members and enable the expansion of the collection to get more and more people playing at a more affordable price point so you'll be able to buy a hero in june uh, for a really affordable price and instantly start playing so stay tuned
0: and uh we'll get you set up you set me up perfectly Iggy, for my next question which was going to be how do you participate in the glimmering so thank you for that all right I was going to mention something, Brent, you you uh, talk about the hate, right? There, There's something that I have like stuck in my mind because it it resonated with me so much. I was at an NFT conference recently. I don't remember wh- who said this, but um, whoever it was it was speaking said, look, we all have something in common. And that is if you are trying to build in Web3, you have all had to persevere hate, fighting, laughter etc because if there's one thing that we all commonly get it's that right i mean mm-hmm. every single builder in this space so yeah i think we can all we can all a hundred percent um understand that uh that's gonna be it for today's show everyone i want to thank everybody for joining us today brent is there anything that we didn't already ask that you wanted to share with us no
1: this has been a great discussion and you've asked some excellent questions so All covered in my end. If you want to learn more, you can go to theglimmering.com to learn all about the lore and the team behind the project. And then stay tuned for Phase 3 in June. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, I'd love to see you at a table playing uh, some games
0: with us and having fun perfect yes I'm going to have to copy Iggy on whatever his moves are um, to, to show me how to you know the ropes on that so that'll be really cool looking forward to it guys if you haven't already go and make sure that you're following Brent that you're following the glimmering that you're following my special guest uh, co-host today NFT Fiend and Iggy thank you so much for joining us today follow my personal account Bell LFTs, and of course us here at NFT girl thank you so much for joining us today we do the show every Wednesday at 1pm your standard time, and don't forget that if you didn't know, now you know. See you next week, everybody. Have a good one.
1: Cheers. Take care. See you.
4: It's too late
1: to be this locked inside ourselves. The trouble.